Well, hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock and Roll Podcast. I am your. It's okay. You can take a drink. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't That's know what's in there. <laughs> it's tea. Yeah, tea. Beautiful. What kind of tea? It's a uh, green tea. All right, green tea. I should get some green tea. <laughs> hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock and Roll Podcast. I am your host, John Harris, and on my left hand side is my right hand man, Gabriel. We got the moon rise. So be pair. The nightmare weaver is gonna begin to attack. Boom! And today on Rockwell Podcast, we have Manuel Barbara. That's correct. That is correct. Beautiful. He has got a new album called Moonrise, which is released on March nineteenth. And right now, I'm being joined by Manuel himself to share some more information about this release and some of the music videos that he's had. So, Manuel, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely great to have you on. Hopefully this is the most interesting interview of the day for you. Sure is. Okay, perfect. Now, one of the things that I had noticed as soon as you popped up was that this is the room where the magic happens because you have playthrough videos for Moonrise and for the Nightmare Weaver, and almost everything looks exactly as it should. So maybe take us a bit through your setup. What's going on over here? Yes, sir. Yeah, so I kind of um, moved back into you know, my family's house out in New Jersey uh, when when the whole world ended. Uh, but I set up this room, these uh, these acoustic panels. There's another two in front of me over there. I built uh, with my mother, uh, and we put you know the lighting and all that. So that was that was a, was a fun summer project. Um, I used my grandpa's old tools for that. So we've got uh, you know I've got a, my keyboard over there, speakers, the like massively overpowered PC that you can't see behind me. I'm not uh-huh. gonna try and show you it and you know my guitar rack over there another one over there because i have too many instruments um it's not like you know a professional studio but the uh the sound treatment does a pretty good job of keeping everything under control and that looks great on videos so yeah it does look yeah. great on video like your beard your beard also looks great on video thank you thank you try <laughs> yeah now you mentioned a massively overpowered pc so you're recording on windows <laughs> I uh, so the album was recorded on a Mac, uh, but I changed uh, my setup pretty significantly since that happened. So I recorded it on you know a little it was a 2015 MacBook uh, Pro uh, that you know cried out in pain every time I added a new layer to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've got I've got a Windows PC with you know what is it 32 gigs of RAM and. Uh, Ryzen R7 or something like that in it, and um, I switched from Pro Tools to Reaper because I'm one of those people now, apparently. Oh no! Oh, no. <laughs> no, what? Oh no! What? What? He switched from Pro Tools to Reaper. What? I know. I hate Reaper. It actually duplicates the <laughs> tracks. Okay. Anyway, carry on. T- tell tell us tell us more. I'm actually deeply curious about the the switch from Pro Tools to Reaper? Is it just because of the cost? Is it because of the usability? I don't find Reaper to be usable at all, but I mean, the cost is definitely a good price. Yeah, the cost is a great price. Reaper um, does a lot if you can figure out how to tell it what you want it to do. Um, It looks terrible uh, and it feels terrible until, but the thing about it is that you can um, customize literally everything about it. So you can set your keyboard shortcuts how you, how you want it. So I basically have most of the Pro Tools keyboard shortcuts programmed into it. Uh, you can change the way it looks. Uh, so I have a setup with it, like a dark theme that doesn't hurt my eyes when I use it. 
Um, the MIDI editor is a lot less annoying than the Pro Tools one. Um, it was partially a cost thing because, you know, Avid pricing is, is uh, a little bit past my budget at this point. Mm-hmm. But um, I kind of just started liking the way the workflow works and you can you can really get in and customize all the stuff in there. And also the built-in EQ is kind of great and uh, I keep telling everyone who will listen to that. But, uh, the, the re-EQ? The, re- yeah. the re-EQ, it, it works surprisingly well for like a stock EQ that looks like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean the the stock Pro Tools. There's nothing wrong with the stock Pro Tools. EQ. No, there isn't. Yeah. There isn't absolutely not. But the re is the cool thing about it is that you can put as many bands as you want. Um, you can add as many bands as you want in there, and uh, it won't like you don't have to. Uh, well, I mean it's not a huge deal, but you can literally just hit the add band button instead of opening up a new instance of the, the plugin if you want more than than the the couple bands that the the stock uh, EQ gives you. Mm-hmm. What's up, kiddo? Uh, speaking of poop tools, I actually have a fun fact for you. Yeah, I, what's that? I used to use Pro Tools. Good for you. I mean, it's it's the industry standard for mm, a reason. Yeah, I was, was Pro Tools boss, though. Okay, interesting, interesting thing. You said it's an industry standard for a reason. Now, the funny thing is that I've never been able to identify what that reason is. Uh, well, the reason in my mind is the hardware integration. It's that like, and everyone knows it. So a, they will like the, the, all the studio gear is kind of set up to work with that. And you can assume that anyone coming into your studio, I'm not a professional sound engineer, but you know, you can assume that everyone coming into your studio knows how to work the software and that it'll work with the hardware without any fiddling. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, we use Logic, and technically the hardware integration should be Apogee, which we do not have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then Avid obviously had their own stuff. It was M Audio for what for a really long time, and then yeah, it was. Okay, it was cool. So then you recorded the album on a 2015 MacBook Pro running Pro Tools. Yes, sir. And uh, yeah, I recorded it with uh, with a Line Six Helix and just a Horizon drive pedal that I got sitting up there. Um, all the guitar tones are that. Um, okay, so the guitar tones are not the neural DSP granifier that showed up. No, um, I got really into neural plugins about a year after I recorded that album, um, and I just kind of got used to keeping the um, the you know the, the plug-in interface up because it looks nice uh, when I do videos. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that guitar tone is not the the granifier. I love that plugin though. It's awesome yeah it, tell us about what i mean i could go on for days but why i like that particular plugin and how it is the unfortunate underdog of the entire neural dsp catalog because <laughs> nobody uses it but there's there's a couple guys um like a lot of you know, more indie guys uh and or independent guys use it um but it's it's gnarly it, it like if you want just a nasty chuggy tone it can do every single version of that that you could dream of and the response to the uh the irs so well like i have this old um it's not that old it's uh it's an ir that i got from like akalkani of tesseract put out a just helix preset pack came with an ir i just slapped it on and it sounds amazing i didn't even have to turn any knobs to make it work 
Um, but it's it's got this really thick, meaty sort of thing going on. Mm-hmm. Which, which, really, which yeah. tubes do you use? Because on the Granifier, you can actually switch out the tubes. I think I've been using the 6L6s. Um, also, the, the plumes, the, the, the pedal sim that they put in front of it is awesome. It's yeah. the best version of that thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very unique overdrive because it, speaking of that chuggy, it adds a very nice, interesting snarl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. I haven't really played around with clean tones in it. I usually use the Nolly for, for that kind of thing. Um, but I feel like it could do some of the, uh, the like Tosin thumpy kind of thing mm-hmm. with that plumes pedal in it. Mm-hmm. Or you would just get his, or you could just get his, yeah, but, uh, his neural DSP yeah. plugin. Yeah, <laughs> I could. Uh, Neural's great. Yeah, I uh, I have a whenever that ships the quad cortex. Uh, you know, I ordered it when I got tried out. Name. Okay. Now, are you going to say goodbye to your Line Six Helix? Are we saying goodbye to Line Six? I still use. Uh, I don't have the the hardware unit anymore, but I still use the um, the plugin, the uh, Helix Native, mm-hmm. for a bunch of stuff. Um, just whenever I need. Actually, one thing I, I have done is I've used it as a like pedal board of sorts for the neural plugins. So I'll run. Um, I'll run two instances of the Helix native with like the effects I want in front and the effects I want like afterwards. Mm-hmm. And that gets some really interesting sounds. Um, it's kind of making, making all the companies angry at me. <laughs> well, I don't know. You're using their stuff. Yeah. And I mean, I am using their stuff. Yeah. That's why you need 32 gigabytes of Ram because you're, you're running two instances of Helix and neural. So it's, it's not friendly on the, uh, on the hard or on the Ram, but you know, I, I can do it. So, <laughs> uh-huh. um, great question then. Line six Helix native plugin versus Neural DSP plugin. How do you feel that they're different? Are they different? They're versions of the same thing. When it comes down to it, you can get great sounds out of both of them. Um, it's I, I I tend to make fun of people who. Like especially when they start talking about real amps versus digital amps, because no one's going to notice when you're up on stage or when the like finished product is is done. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I think it's down to feel. Uh, I, I like the way the neural plugins respond to the like my hand a little better, uh, and they definitely sound. I have to fiddle with them less. Right. Uh, there's less, you know, twiddling of knobs and finding cab IRs and and I can just load up one of the presets on the on the any of the neural plugins and it'll do what I want it to do. Yeah. Um, I have an imprint in my mind, speaking of the whole like digital versus analog thing, because uh, <laughs> we were at a guitar clinic in 2019, me and me and Gabesy here. Yeah, and, it was actually pretty fun. We were to a drum clinic too. And this girl was up on stage. She was touring, doing a, like a, a guitar clinic tour and she was using a head rush and somebody in the crowd you know, deliberately with a lot of acne, overweight, no friends. I uh, was like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Hey, how come you're using a head rush and not a real amp? <laughs> and she's like, "You really want me to drag around like a full stack on like a guitar clinic tour? Like, it's just not realistic." And then I was in a band a, a number of years ago, ten ten plus years ago. Yeah. And I had a Boss GT8. Yep. 
And I use that not only for the preamp, but also for the effect. So I had it set up so that I had, it looked like I was playing through a Marshall on stage, but I was just using the power amp. Mm-hmm. And I had tons of people coming up to me afterwards telling me how great the tone was. Man, I've never heard a Marshall sound like that before. That sounds so <laughs> great, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, and then I'd point to my boss GT8 and then they would start getting, you know, hissy. Oh, so it's not real. You enjoyed it up until that point. Exactly. It's it's not real anyway because it's all you know electronic signals. It's not like we're we're you know we have a handcrafted you know two thousand year old violin that we're playing through that only one of them in the world sounds like that. It's you know it's just it's it's electrical signals that we're destroying the crap out of with either tubes or or numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Tubes and or numbers. As long as, yeah, as long as the numbers do what the tubes do, at least close enough, no one's going to care. Exactly. Exactly, baby. But speaking of caring, let's talk about this record, Moonrise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just tell us about this record because... Yeah. Um, take it away. Tell us about this record. Yeah, my pleasure. So it's... um. It started life as kind of me deciding I got all this music for bands that just didn't work out. You know, a lot of them from from early in the Berkeley days, and um, it's just like, hey, I want I want to make this into something. Let me take the music, polish it up, maybe write some new stuff, make it into a nice solid, not too long, just as much as I can get done. It was all over a summer, like minus some layering and stuff that we did up until the last minute. But uh, so I did roll the music over that summer, uh, recorded all the guitars, uh, at the end of the summer. And then from there, it was just this huge process and learning curve of, you know, going through several drummers, figuring out how, how to get that done. We ended up going into a really cool studio in Boston called Mad Oak to get that, uh, you know, the, my friend, uh, Joey Ferretti, who plays with a bunch of really cool bands. And, uh, you know, then Nick Thorpe, I, I had the honor of playing with both of those guys in a couple things, but mainly, uh, we did a, a Tesseract ensemble, uh, in one of our later years of Berkeley. So we just played a, an hour long, not an hour, played a fairly lengthy set of Tesseract music, which was difficult. Um, but anyway, um, I really want to take, I'm, I studied, uh, classical composition, right? So, and, uh, I think it's a little misleading when I say that I want to, you know, do metal with a classical approach because everyone thinks Ingve when you say that. But what it is that I want to do is to take that training and all these like tricks that I got from, you know, late 19th to 20th century music, which I love a lot and isn't what you think of when you think of classical music. It's all this weird, spiky, not necessarily tonal type stuff and apply it to metal. But I want it to be metal. It's, you know, I'm not writing for an orchestra, I'm writing for a metal band. That would be the romance era, correct? Uh, romantics and then into the late romantics. So uh, are, are my favorite from the that era. And then into the 20th century with guys like Schoenberg and, and Stravinsky. And like, you know, there's no prog anything that doesn't owe their entire thing to Stravinsky. Um, you got a question, kiddo? I just, Daddy just walked on your website, but... This shined like a store on my end. I don't know if it did to you. Sorry, what's going on? I just saw that you did a cover of one of our ma- Nail the Mixes. Oh, yeah. So we do Nail the Mix from the URM Academy. and mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've been doing that as well, yeah. So, it's a good... Yeah, so Animus by Monuments. Animus. 
Yeah, that was a fun cover. Um, that was also Joey and Nick and uh, my good friend Melissa Henderson and my also good friend Thalia Tomowski. Uh, yeah, it was fun. I love that song. Um, it's it's just cool. It's a cool song. So we decided to do a cover of it. We had been, uh, and we've got one one video actually. I think should be coming out today. Uh, probably be out by the time this airs. But uh, uh, we had done a uh, scar symmetry thing. So we're, we we did a cover of of uh, what was it? Dominion. We've got a cover of holographic universe on the way with some of those people. And I just we just wanted to do animus because it had just come out and it was cool. Sweet. Okay. Now, otherwise, you were in the middle of saying something. We were chatting about our favorite romance era classical guitar players, um, and Ingve and Ingve mom scenes. And Ingve, yeah, I mean, Ingve's thing is basically, "Hey, you like Paganini? Well, I also like Paganini." <laughs> um, but there's nice a lot. The, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff to be had from there. There's all kinds of just weird sounds and really aggressive. Like you get into Bartok and Stravinsky and Schoenberg and it's, it's like, it sounds like Meshuggah without all the ridiculous rhythms. And sometimes you even have the ridiculous rhythms, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and I also, I want to kind of approach music from this idea of like expanding on themes instead of just, you know, the standard, here's a riff, here's another riff. It has nothing to do with the first riff. Here's yet another riff. We don't know where we're going with this. <laughs> we're going to get there, I promise. No, you won't. Yeah, yeah. We, we want it all. <laughs> you won't yeah. get there. Cool. Dun, dun, okay. Dun. So, uh, these two first tracks. Moonrise, obviously, is a title track. The Nightmare mm-hmm. Weaver. Um, I guess, what was it about these tracks, aside from the fact that Moonrise is a, a title track, that you mm-hmm. wanted to kick these out first as, as singles and videos? Yeah, I think um, I think they both really showcase what the album is about. I think probably the best way, uh, if you've listened to the album, to showcase what it's about is the Mirror Suite. But that's three. That's half the album right there. I didn't really want to put that whole thing out yet. But it's the two main things in this album are these like really big chuggy eight string, you know, riffs, and then all this ambient stuff you know really ambient synths uh, there's a lot of wine glass samples in there uh the like really tinkly guitar tones with the the reverb and octave and whatnot on them um i felt that moonrise was possibly the most like energetic in a in a kind of a traditional way thing on the album so i thought that would be a good thing to lead with it's just uh that chorus riff you know, everyone likes that chorus riff that I showed it to, so it's it's nice, it's catchy, it's uh, energetic, it's got a little bit of melodic stuff in there. And then Nightmare Weaver is one of the things I'm most proud of that I've done. It's just um, it came. It's based on a whole bunch of themes that I really love the way how they f- or the way they fit together. So uh, I felt like putting something like that that was a little more um, intricate would be the right move to give kind of a, a picture of the whole thing. Okay. Beautiful. Sweet. So we've chatted about the record. We've chatted about Lion 6 Helix, Nail the Mix, Reaper, 32 gigabytes of RAM, Granifier. We chatted about 
Pro Tools. We chatted about Pro Tools. Uh, we would be hating on the Pro Tools, which I want to see more of in the world. Um, <laughs> you know, I want to yeah, see more studios move to, to Cubase because that has the potential for hardware integration and also doesn't make me angry. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm probably going to be switching to Pro Tools again because there's a plugin that I really want to get, but it's only available for Pro Tools. Well, I'm not going to switch to Pro Tools for a, just one 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 <laughs> one saturation plugin, but um, I feel the yeah, struggle. It's a <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, the last one of the last nail the mixes was Sam Guyana. He was mm-hmm. that uh, what, I can't remember what it's called tape head or something. He pulled up some plugin, yeah, put it on the snare, and it just sounded really good. So it I looked like into it, crisp, and there were like, what DAW are you using? Pro Tools or others? So I clicked other, and they were like. Sorry, we don't make plugins for you. <laughs> yeah, oh, I've man. seen that plugin, and it sounds great, and I'm never going to use it. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> okay, then. Uh, uh, can I edit something real quick? Yes, we, we have to hurry up. We have like two minutes left before I need to prepare for my next podcast. So what's up? Quick, though. Okay, better make it quick. Okay, yeah, I can type that in. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, he wanted to put in, we make notes about what we chat about in the podcast, and he wanted to put 32 gigabytes of RAM in there. So we did. Of course. Yep. Yeah. Uh, cool. All right. Well, Manuel, unless there's anything else that I missed, I just wanted to thank you for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I mean, just, you know, follow me on all the all the assorted social media and the, the band camp and the Spotify. And yeah, that's, that's about it. Here we go. All right. You want to hit stop, sweetie?